0: is what you've been waiting for! Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind, it's Monty's Rockcast, and now here's your host, Monty Colvin.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to The Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. So what? So glad you could join me for episode 212. And today I've got so much to talk about that I think I'm just going to be random and uh, go from topic to topic with no regard for structure or organization whatsoever. Which could be a good thing, or it might end up being a total cluster. This isn't going to end well. Regardless of what happens, let's start out with some comments about the last show, which was the Halloween episode. Several people were frightened by my scary stories. Jamie Roller said, The tale of the demon-possessed woman? Too scary. Real-world terror. Matt Kaur agreed about that story about the woman. He said, I lived this this morning. Chills went down my spine, and I experienced deja vu at the same time. Well, yeah, guys, I think we've all been there. It's everlasting torment. Sean McClure said, great show, Monty, but uh, a bit scary, though. Uh, I mean, that Ace Freely stuff is going to make me have nightmares. However, Steve Elliott did not agree with that. He said, I don't mind the ace stuff. He said, I like his guitar sound, so his solos don't bother me and he's kind of known for cheesy lyrics, so it's expected. Oh, well, to each his own. I guess it's just that weird thing where, you know, if you do something long enough and people get used to it, they eventually just go, "Uh, well, that's just what he does. It's kind of like Lou Reed. Uh, To me, he sucks. But somebody else said, uh, you know, he belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So what are you going to do? I really, really, really like him. Now, Steve Elliott also wants to make me choose. And the first one is rap or country music. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, I've never really listened to country music that much. It's really not my thing. And outside of maybe like Eminem or something like that, occasionally, uh, I don't really listen to rap. But strangely enough, I do really like uh, rap metal or rap rock. I love Hollywood Undead, Fire From The Gods, and Deuce. And even going back to Stuck Mojo, love that stuff. But am I going to sit down and listen to 2 Chains? Probably not. But if you're going to make me choose, uh, I guess I'd go with rap.
0: Yeah, boy!
1: Next, Steve wants me to choose between baseball, hockey, or football. And I like this one because I love to talk about sports. Because I've been a big sports fan since I was about 10 years old. My dad loved sports and therefore so did I. So far, that scenario has not worked out with my stepson, because he could care less about it. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that I've loved it all my life, and I've kind of gone through different stages. Back in the 70s, 80s, and even through the 90s, I was a huge basketball fan. But then you got guys like Kobe Bryant, and now LeBron James, and those a-holes have just ruined it for me. Douchebags. As far as hockey, in the late 90s, I was a big Buffalo Sabres fan. They had Hashik and they even had this player named Satan. They pronounced it Shetan, but uh, it was spelled Satan. And they were pretty badass, and so I was watching them all the time, and I really got into it for a while, but then they got rid of all those players, and I lost interest. So I don't watch that much hockey anymore, but I do still love football. Especially this year with the Kansas City Chiefs doing well, I love Patrick Mahomes. So much so that I even went this year as Patrick Mahomes to a Halloween party. But anymore, my favorite sport is actually baseball. I love my Kansas City Royals even though they were one of the worst teams in baseball this year. I watched every single game, and I saw him lose over a 100 times, but I can't wait for next year.
0: Very important information.
1: Now, Steve also wants me to choose between the Royals and the Chiefs, and I'm going to go Royals. Get alive. And the last one Steve had for me in this batch of make me choose is he wants me to pick between Rob Halford and Bruce Dickinson. And this is a toughie because I love them both. Uh, I probably like Iron Maiden more than I do Priest. However, it's close. Uh, I loved the last Judas Priest album and I haven't really cared that much for the last uh, Iron Maiden uh, CDs. But if it's between the two singers, I guess I'll go with Rob Halford. He still sings great and uh, he actually had some pretty cool solo stuff too. In fact, the other day I was checking out some of his tunes on the Resurrection CD. And I think you'll agree, it pretty much rocks. So the other day, something miraculous happened. My wife, Lindsay, and I were sitting there on a Saturday night when suddenly we realized we were alone.
0: I I say no, there's no way.
1: Yeah, it was one of those extremely rare times when the kids had gone somewhere else and we just looked at each other and said, well, what do we do? And I was like, "I I don't know. I'm not used to this. And so we talked about it, and we realized that we only had about a four-hour window before the kids would be back and once again be lodged up our asses. And so we decided we're going on a date. We're going to go straight to the theater and see the new Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. Stop, that's crazy. So we go and uh, we get there really early because I think, you know, uh, we better get our tickets and get in there because this place is going to be packed. I mean, who doesn't want to see a movie about Queen? And I get a big bucket of popcorn and we go in and uh, no, uh, hardly anybody was there. Ah! And I had seen some mixed reviews on this thing. I mean, uh, I saw some people that loved it and then I saw a bunch of people that didn't like it at all. But I wanted to keep an open mind. I wasn't expecting to see a documentary. Uh, I just wanted to see a good movie. And for the most part, I thought it was. Uh, Lindsay and I both really enjoyed it. I thought the guy that played Freddie Mercury did a great job, and it lasted over two hours, and it kept my attention the whole time. Now is the case with most movies about musicians? Uh, you know, there were some cheesy parts, but it didn't really bother me that much. Of course, we all know that Freddie was a homosexual, and I was kind of afraid that the whole movie would be uh, just kind of focused on that, but it really wasn't. I mean, like with any movie, there's probably some stuff you don't want your kids seeing. Gay? There's a couple of short kissing scenes. Gay. There were a couple scenes that were kind of implied. Uh, gay. There was a couple of parties where he was hanging out with dudes that were dressed in leather and looking kind of gay. Homo. And there's also a scene where he takes his boyfriend to meet his parents. But other than that, they didn't really focus on it.
0: Everything was gay.
1: Now, as far as being factually correct about the history of Queen, well, they did fudge on that a little bit. For instance, they showed them playing Fat Bottom Girls on their first tour. And that song wasn't even released till the late 70s. And they also showed Brian May writing We Will Rock You in the 80s when it actually came out around 77. But I'm not gonna let little things like that destroy my movie-going experience because, you know, I had popcorn. Well, I mean, obviously. Duh! What I got out of the movie is that they were incredible musicians, but they were real people. And I thought it was well done and I enjoyed it.
0: I'll advise people before watching it, it is indeed very
1: gay. One more thought about Queen, though, before I move on to something else. I know Freddie Mercury is always going to get a lot of the attention. He was very flamboyant and a great performer. And he had a great voice and he was just an awesome talent. But to me, Brian May will always be one of the most underrated guitarists in history. He's got his very own signature sound and he's just a genius. And in the early 90s, when Galactic Cowboys were touring on Space in Your Face, things were going really well for us, and we did a tour with Dream Theater. And we had a booking agent at the time that told us, hey, the next tour you're going to do is going to be with Brian May, opening for him. And what I was told is that Brian May really liked Galactic Cowboys. And if in any way that is true, uh, that is one of the great accomplishments of my life. Wow. How sad is that? Unfortunately, before that tour ever could happen, uh, we were dropped by the masterminds at Geffen Records. So I never got to meet Brian May to ask him if that was actually true, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and believe that it was. You're delusional! Now, speaking of Galactic Cowboys, I got a couple of questions recently about GC. And the first one is from Dan Singleton, who says, Hello again, Monty. Every band is made up of unique individuals. I think the blend of these individuals and their influences is what makes Galactic Cowboys so great. Are there any influences that your fellow bandmates have that you personally don't care for and vice versa? Well, good question, Dan. Our tastes and influences are pretty diverse. I know we all like the Beatles, and that's kind of our common ground. But really, I think I'm the only one in the band that's just a full-on metal guy. I don't think Alan even likes metal, and when we first started the band, I was kind of introducing Ben to Metallica and some of that stuff. He was more into, like, uh, ZZ Top and Elton John and Frank Zappa. And Dane, I've seen him wear a Slayer shirt, so I guess he's down with it uh, somewhat. But ever since I've known him, he's been a total R&B blues freak. He's really into Stevie Ray Vaughan and stuff like that, and I've never been a huge fan of that. What's your problem? Another thing I think is interesting is that I'm the only one in the band that really ever got into the Wild Hearts. And back in the early 90s when I discovered Ginger and the Boys, uh, I was always playing it on the tour bus and I was like, hey, check this out. And the guys in my band just, uh, you know, they just weren't interested. Then I was like, really? So yeah, we have our disagreements. Uh, You know, like uh, Alan's a total jellyfish fanatic. And I liked him all right, but never as much as him. And I know for a fact that he doesn't like any of that metalcore stuff that I listen to. So, uh, once again, to each his own. Hit me with more! Come
0: on! Come on! Let's go!
1: The next question about GC is from Steve in Connecticut. And Steve says the other day he purchased the song Next Joke off of iTunes. And Steve says, hey, Monty, how much of my hard-earned dollar and 29 cents goes into the pockets of the artists? And how much of it went to some dude sitting at a corporate office desk that has no clue how good that song is? Dumbasses. Well, Steve, the sad truth is, is that we will more than likely never see a penny of that. I'm pretty sure that buck 29 will be split between the people at iTunes and our record label. I could go into some of the technicalities and reasons as to why that's the case, but I'd rather not. Because frankly, it's just kind of boring. Truth is, the only reason why I would do anything musically these days is just because it's fun. I can't make a living anymore doing just music. That's just the way it is. Because music in itself has very little value. Anyone can steal it off the internet and uh, anyone can make an album on their home computer. Back in the 70s, if you had an album, that was kind of a big deal, but not anymore. And so the only real thing for us anymore that even helps is merchandise. So if you want to do something nice for an artist or a band you like, uh, buy a t-shirt. Because for the most part, that money does go into the band's pockets. But regardless, I appreciate you buying that song, Steve. Uh, you're awesome. The sky
0: is the limit when you put your mind
1: to that stuff next i've got a question and a top 10 list sent to me by scott gibson and scott's question is do your bandmates in galactic cowboys listen to your podcast here's the answer well i know ben used to but i'm not sure if he does anymore but i'm pretty sure the other guys do not but you know i bet there's at least one or two guys that i used to play in bands with who listen to every single episode and every single word I say, just waiting for me to say something that will piss them off. And to them I say, uh, thanks for listening. So that, That's your answer? As far as Scott Gibson's top ten list, he says, Hey, Monty, this is the top ten TV shows I watched but would never admit to it. Uh, except to you and your listeners, apparently. Well, duh! All right, well, it sounds good, Scott, and it starts out at number 10 with Small Wonder. I have never in my life seen anything like this. Oh, yeah, I remember that show. It was about this little girl, and uh, you were supposed to believe that she was a robot. But the acting was terrible, and uh, the show was just god-awful. And we know that this is a piece of crap. Number nine on Scott's list is Big Brother. He says, uh, I gave it up after two seasons. Very lame. Well, that's very interesting, because uh, I watched the first season of it way back when, and I, too, thought it was terrible. As I recall, the winner was this guy who had one leg. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, it was just really bad. And so I decided, well, I'm not going to watch this anymore, and I skipped season two. But the next year, I decided to give it another shot, and so I watched season three, and I loved it. And believe it or not, I don't think I've missed a single episode since then. And I think it's been on like 20 years now. So uh, what can I say? I love Big Brother. Proving once again that everybody hates a loser. Number eight on this list is Baywatch. Oh, yeah. Scott says it should be obvious why a teenage boy would have watched this show, but it really did suck. I'm okay with that. Yeah, well, you didn't have to be a teenager to watch that thing, uh, because I think I was in my late 20s, and I never missed it.
0: Yeah!
1: (laughs) Number seven is Kids Incorporated, uh, a short-lived show where kids sang. Hmm, I don't really remember that one, but I do remember number six, Full House. He says, every show ends with a moral, and they play the crappy music in the background while one of the actors is learning said moral. I watch this back now and have no idea what I was thinking. Yeah, that was a sweet little family show, wasn't it? And we had no idea at the time that Bob Saget was one of the filthiest people on Earth. Nor did we realize that the Olsen twins would grow up to be filthy, filthy rich. But that would bring us to number five, Family Matters. Yeah, that was with that Urkel guy. Uh, I never watched it. Don't know what the hell he's talking about. Number four is The Bachelor or Bachelorette. And Scott admits that he still likes the show, but he just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, I watched a few seasons of that, but it was always the same. Some guy would have his pick from 25 girls make out with every single one of them give a ring to one of them at the end of the season, and then decide, uh, yeah, I don't want to be with her. So I just kind of gave up on that and decided it was a waste of my time. And I felt the same way about Scott's number three, My Two Dads. Yeah, I didn't like Paul Reiser uh, on that show or on any show. That guy really annoys me. But uh, I did like uh, Scott's number two, Saved by the Bell. Yeah, but you're an idiot. It was one of those shows that was so bad, it was awesome. And uh, Scott says, as a teenager, I had a crush on Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yeah, I don't know what ever happened to her, but I do know what happened to the other girl that was on Saved by the Bell. She was a star in one of the worst movies of all time, Showgirls. Which, if you've never seen it, uh, well, it was horrible and completely awesome. Oh, yeah! And that would bring us to number one on Scott Gibson's list of shows he used to watch but hates to admit. Beverly Hills 90210. Well, that was an excellent list, and I've actually got one of my own, but uh, before I get to that, I got an email from Phil Robinson, and Phil told me about a cover of the Toto song Hold the Line, and I've always liked that song, and uh, so I went to YouTube and checked it out, and once again, it's by that Leo guy, and I loved this version, and so I thought, hey, I'm going to play some of it for you guys. i played this guy on the show before, it's uh, Leo something, and I really wish I could pronounce his last name because he's super talented. He plays all the instruments and sings, and uh, he's done a bunch of these videos, and uh, most of them are really good, good covers. And the way you look, on the thing, you say that you do, or the life, love Okay, so I read Scott Gibson's list of shows that he used to watch, but now he hates to admit. And so I came up with my own list, and this is shows that I used to like, but now I never watch or downright hate. All these TV shows are actually still on, but at some point I just decided, you know, I'm never watching them again. And my list starts out at number 10 with ESPN Sports Center. Don't want to hear what you have to say. I used to get up every single morning, and the first thing I would do would be watch all the highlights on Sports Center. But then they got all political and started telling me how I should feel and how I should think. And every single day, whether he has a game or not, it's LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. Absolute arrogant douchebag plus i have about 300 sports channels on my cable so who needs it nobody number nine is soap operas back when i had no life whatsoever i used to watch this show called young and the restless and i just really got tired of it because uh, they had no respect for a timeline For example, you know, they'd have this kid on the show and they'd be eight. And then the next day, they'd be played by a different actor who was 14. And yet, nobody else on the show aged at all. How amazing that is. Another thing they did that drove me crazy is that if somebody left the show, they would just replace that character with a different actor. And so I was just always going, uh, now, who is that So I eventually just lost interest and gave it up.
0: Good thinking.
1: Number eight is Hell's Kitchen. I watched this one for years, and then one day I went, you know, every single episode is exactly the same. Gordon Ramsay is trying to find the next chef to run one of his restaurants, and yet they all suck. I mean, how many times can you watch him yell at those goofballs and tell them the chicken is raw? Well, I, I'd say ten. Another reason why I stopped watching Hell's Kitchen is that I could predict who the winner was going to be based on political correctness. All I'd have to do is say, let's see, who won last year? It was a white male, so uh, this year it's going to be a black female. And sure enough, I'm good with that. Number seven is an entire network. I no longer watch MTV. I used to watch it every day in the 80s and in the 90s I loved me some Headbangers Ball. I even got to be on that show. But at some point everything changed and uh, I couldn't tell you what's on there now. I just know it's not music. It's
0: crap!
1: Number six is The Price is Right. I've never heard of it. Ah, I loved that show. I used to watch it every single day. It had Bob Barker and Barker's Beauties. And I'll admit it, uh, the models were why I watched it. I'd sit there just praying to God that they'd wear the bikinis during the showcase. And when they invented the VCR, I would tape it so I could rewind. Ho oh, ho I see
0: what you're doing.
1: But when the models got too old and they left the show, I suddenly lost interest. Besides, I'm married to a hot chick now and I would much rather watch her.
0: Yeah, you would. Ho
1: ho. Number five is late night talk shows. Back in the 70s I loved Johnny Carson, Uh, in the 80s and 90s I was a big Letterman fan, and I even liked Conan O'Brien for a long time. But now you got people like Stephen Colbert, and I might as well just watch CNN. No thanks! And what happened to Jimmy Kimmel? He used to be great on The Man Show. Maybe he should be less political and go back to having girls jumping on trampolines. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Number four is award shows. I used to watch them all, the MTV Video Music Awards, uh, the Grammys, the Emmys. But anymore, I just can't do it. Once again, I'm sick of Hollywood and the music industry telling me how I'm supposed to think. I don't need Robert De Niro telling me how to vote. And let's face it, if it's a music award show, uh, the music sucks. So they can go ahead and continue to throw their little parties and pat each other on the back and congratulate each other. But as for me, I'm done with it. I mean, mean, at a certain point, you gotta say, enough! Number three is The Walking Dead. I binge-watched the first six seasons and thought it was great. But then the writing got worse and worse, and now I find it laughable and unwatchable. And if I have to see one more zombie get stabbed in the head, I'm just going to lose it. It's become boring, and uh, you know it's bad when you find yourself rooting for the zombies. I wish there was a way they could just eat the entire cast and put an end to this piece of crap. It is comically bad. Number two is American Idol, and I'm actually ashamed that I ever watched it. But I did for years. And then one day I thought, you know, uh, outside of a couple people like Kelly Clarkson, most of the winners on this show are now playing state fairs or casinos. Which, uh, granted, is more than I'm doing right now, but uh, still... This is supposed to be a big deal, but it's not. And do I really care what J-Lo or Katy Perry think of some mediocre singer's voice? The answer is no. And that would bring me to number one on my list of shows that I used to like, but now I never watch or just flat out hate. Saturday Night Live. Yeah yeah i'm old enough to where i was there from the beginning like the very first episode in the 70s and i rarely missed an episode from that point on but in the last five years or so it's just gotten so bad i finally just gave it up the writing is dreadful and the cast is uh, not funny will ferrell and dana carvey are not walking through that door those days are gone And uh, so am I. It's the worst. Okay, I got an email from Jimmy G in Chicago the other day, and I haven't played this in a while, so here you go. The Jimmy G theme song. He's from
0: Chicago. He's a champion. He's got some questions for a top ten. Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Jimmy
1: G. Wow, how cool must that be to have your own theme song? It's just weird. Well, anyway, if uh, you've been living on an island somewhere and you don't know who Jimmy G is, well, let me tell you. Uh, he's actually just a avid listener of the Rockcast. Oh. And he gives me so much podcast material that I decided to write a song for him. And so I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, nope. Alright, well let's see what Jimmy has for us today. He says, hey man, since Queen is in the news and I know you're a big Who fan, I thought I'd put them head to head. Both bands featured musicians that played more than one instrument, sang, and wrote. And uh, they're two of the biggest, most loved bands in rock history. So Monty, Freddie Mercury, or Roger Daltrey? Well, that's tough, Uh, and you know I love Roger Daltrey, but I'm going to go Freddie Mercury. His voice was just so incredible, and he really did just write some genius stuff. And so I'll go Freddie on that, but uh, let's see, the next one is Roger Taylor or Keith Moon. And that's actually easy, because uh, Keith Moon is probably my favorite drummer of all time. And yeah, yeah, I know you Rush nerds are saying, uh, what about Neil Peart? Well, no, I don't like musicians just because of their technical ability. Keith Moon was a maniac, and every time I watch a video of him, I get chills. Absolutely loved and still love Keith Moon. (laughs) Next is John Deacon or John Entwistle? And once again, that's easy. Uh, You know, John Deacon's cool and all, but uh, John Entwistle is one of my favorite bass players ever. And if you want to know why, just listen to the Who Live at Leeds. That guy destroys. Jimmy G. wants to make it really difficult for me and wants me to choose between Brian May or Pete Townsend. Well, like I said earlier, Brian May is a genius, but so is Pete Townsend. And even though I love Brian May, I pretty much worship at the altar of Pete Townsend. He's influenced my songwriting. He's influenced my stage presence. And when I saw that documentary about The Who, The Kids Are All Right, uh, that's when I decided, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to be a musician. I want to be a rock star. So, yeah, I got to go with Pete Townsend. Who gives a damn? Uh, Jimmy also had some questions for me. First one being, hey, Monty, do you have any advice for Greta Van Fleet now that there's a buzz? Like, what should they do tomorrow? What should they do when it's over? Are they so hip it makes you sick? These are all legitimate questions. Yeah, I talked about Greta Van Fleet on the last episode, and I basically said that they stole a whole lot of their sound from Led Zeppelin. And then I got several people uh, emailing me saying, uh, well, Monty, you know, uh, Zeppelin stole from people. And sure, we all borrow and we're influenced by stuff. And maybe Zeppelin flat out stole some stuff. I don't know. I'm not a huge Zeppelin fan. But at the same time, I know Zeppelin uh, developed their own sound. And if I was in Greta Van Fleet, I'd probably say, you know, maybe we should uh, try and develop our own sound. Instead of just trying to sound like Zeppelin, maybe we should, uh, you know, kind of incorporate some other influences. But here's the deal. Uh, Greta Van Fleet should never listen to me. Because if they're having success doing what they're doing, I say keep on doing it. More than likely, the buzz will not last very long, so ride that horse as long as you can. In fact, they should probably just name the next album Greta Van Fleet 2. Next question from the great Jimmy G is, Hey Monty, have you written any new tunes lately? Or are you focusing on painting? Well, I'll be honest, I haven't really been writing that much. But I do get melodies and song ideas in my head once in a while. And uh, here's something I do that you might consider. Once in a while I'll be out and about and a song kind of comes in my head and I'll think, yeah, that's good. Uh, I better try and capture that. And if I'm in the Hellmobile driving somewhere, I'll just pick up my phone and record it. They have these microphone apps you can use. Or what I do a lot of times is just use the uh, video camera on there and just sing it right in there. You record the idea, it doesn't get lost, and uh, you know, you can go back later and say, Wow, that sucks. You're a genius. So no, I'm not writing that much music right now, but I am feverishly working on my paintings. And I've started a whole new series of famous rock stars. And it's not just going to be the ones that you always see, like Elvis. I'm going to be doing people like Dimebag Daryl, uh, Steve Harris, Lemmy, uh, Phil Linnot. And the other day I even finished up a couple of Frank Zappa. And my plan is to put them on their own website. I don't even know what the name of the website's going to be yet, but uh, it's going to be all like rock stars and celebrities and maybe sports figures. And I'll let you know when it's up, but uh, right now I'm just kind of concentrating on the paintings themselves. And when I get enough of them done, I'll build the website. And you can go there and check them all out and hopefully buy something. And if you want to commission me to do somebody that I haven't done yet, well, feel free to do that. Just uh, drop me an email. But that's kind of where I'm focused right now. I just don't have time to do everything I want to. I'd still like to finish my book. I'd like to do another music project someday. Maybe another crunchy album or something. I don't know. And I'd like to put out more podcasts, but uh, they take so long to put together. uh, I can only usually get out maybe one a month. I know it just sounds like I'm sitting here talking for an hour and that's it. Should be easy, right? Well, uh, not really. Each episode usually takes about three weeks with all the editing and uh, all that. And they're just very time consuming, but uh, I'll still try to get out as many as I can. Why bother? Anyway, thanks to Jimmy G for his questions. But now I think I'll tell you about a couple things I saw on TV recently. And the first one was a documentary about Richie Blackmore. And I thought it was really good, and I also thought uh, it was interesting that a couple of people on there said, you know, when you think of the greatest uh, guitarists of all time, you usually think of Hendrix or Eddie Van Halen. But for some reason, Richie Blackmore's name doesn't come up immediately, and it probably should. I was a fan of Rainbow back in uh, the 70s when they had Ronnie James Dio and that incredible band. But for some reason, I never really got into Deep Purple that much. But after watching this documentary, I was like, good God, they were amazing. Go tell it to somebody who cares. I'm not sure which version of Deep Purple I like best. I like Ian Gillen more than I do David Coverdale, but I would take Glenn Hughes over both of them. One thing I am sure about, though, is that I'm not interested in any version of Deep Purple that doesn't have Richie Blackmore in it. I know Steve Morris is amazing and all that, but I'm just kind of partial to the original lineups. And the other day, I'm watching this interview with Dan Rather and Kansas. And there's only two original members left in that band, the drummer Phil Ehart and one of the guitar players, Rich Williams. And they kept talking about, it's all about the music. The fans want to hear this music, so we're going to keep doing it. And I just sat there and shook my head, because if there's no Kerry Livgren, no Steve Walsh, uh, no Robbie Steinhardt, there's no Kansas. Ah! oh really i'm sorry at that point it's a cover band okay says who i mean it's one thing to replace one guy or have somebody fill in for a tour but when you've basically just replaced everybody uh maybe it's time to move on but i guess if i'm gonna blame somebody it probably ought to be the fans who keep going to see these classic rock bands who only have one original member left in them I mean, if you're in your 50s or 60s and you're going to see Foreigner, you probably don't even care who's in the band. As long as they play Hot-Blooded and Jukebox Hero, uh, you're a happy customer. How true it is. I mean, I'm in my 50s and I do care, but then again, I'm probably not your typical uh, aging music fan. While I love that stuff from the 70s and 80s, I also like some of the newer bands. For example, the band of Mice and Men put out a CD about a year ago called Defy. And Matt in St. Louis hooked me up with it, and I really like it.
0: No, back now I'm moving ahead toward the way out Don't you hate how we get left behind in the fallout Fall out. Take a breath and take heart Instead of falling apart When you find yourself out
1: Of Mice and Men. They're a band that's gone through some lineup changes over the years, but still a great band. And I'm going to play out with one more song from them. It's called Sunflower. It's got a great melody, and I think you'll like it, even if you're an old burnout geezer. This made a huge difference in uh, my life. As always, if you want to get a hold of me, you can do so on Facebook or at my website, MontyCalvin.net. There you will find my CDs, t-shirts, and paintings for sale. And there's also a lot of cool pictures of me, Hot Lindsay, and my art. Have you ever heard of a worse website than this? Okie dokie. That's going to do it for me for now. I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like unless it's me and... Rock on.